preacher had for them little ones. Uh, maybe I could stand on it and uh, y'all could see me a little bit. Never mind. We'll go on. Uh, turn to hymn number 63. Gloria, how many verses do you want? Whatever you want, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Debbie was bad. Debbie would say, this is what you're going to do. I was nice. And Debbie's not here tonight, so God bless Corey for filling in for us. Because I thought I was going to have to do this acapella, but uh, I'm glad she's here. Glory to his name. Let's do uh, the first, second, and the last. How about that? somebody pray and then we're going to look into the word for a little bit and then we have a business meeting tonight so pastor john should be up here around quarter till so i want to make sure that i'm ready for him when he gets here so prayer request anybody have one jane And uh, pray for uh, 
Call his shingle, right? Yes. That's the one. The shingle's doing better. Or it's it's already <coughs> a little bit better, except for the interest factor. Yeah, yeah. Yes, ma'am. Um, Kathy Garcia. Kathy Garcia. Yeah. Do you need a kidney transplant? Liver transplant. There you go. Anybody else? Continue to keep listening to your prayers. Pray for her. She's improving, but the wedding coming up this weekend, I'm sure she's kind of overdoing it. Uh, yeah, getting a head nod, so. So be much in prayer for her. Uh, also remember uh, Deb's, as Deb's mom has passed, and her uh, funeral will be a graveside service, and I'm sure all of you got the church cast at 2 o'clock on Friday afternoon over at Ebenezer Methodist in Rockbridge Bass. So if you can come out and support her there, I'm sure she would greatly appreciate it. Keep, we can keep her in our prayers as well. So be much in prayer for her and the family. <clears throat> Any other prayer requests? Yes, ma'am. We have some where they ask special prayers for Chloe um, during this time. Just especially make sure they take care of her and support those ways that they didn't have to leave it out. Uh, they didn't have to do that surgery. And so continue to pray for Chloe and Blakely. And then we have a prayer group at work that prays faithfully. Um, the Lord knows each need on that list, and I just ask that you lift up that prayer, Father's prayer. Um, so especially for my co-workers, husbands, mates, rush to the emergency room, so y'all pray for Mr. Wilder. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Um, Carter's on the military. Had an interview yesterday and it went very well, but it might mean that they go to Korea. Uh oh. So I'll let you know. When Keep I us posted. I'm not saying it, but wherever the Lord wants them to go, I'll go with them. Doug, oh yes, and I had I come up here and marked it and still forgot it. Uh, Doug Van Leer, uh, Warren was telling me before church, uh, he had mentioned, I think Sunday, that he might possibly have to have the other foot taken off. Well, actually, it's his right one. Is that correct, Warren? I think so. Tomorrow they're going to do that. Tomorrow they're going to do that one. Then he will take it off above the knee. So pray for this gentleman. Needs, he doesn't know the Lord, and he's taking this, you know, very well. But uh, we 
Sheila, yes. Pray for Sheila Corbin. Just pray much for her. Keep her in your prayers. Yes. I do have a page item. Um, our little Alice will have a baby sister in October. Amen. Any others? Praise items or prayer requests? We prefer praying on the sticks. Uh, we like praise items. We need, we need prayer requests as well. Any other prayer requests? Gloria. Randy, pray for our kids. I mean, the ones in school that, you know, we finished up today, and some of these kids don't have the best of homes, and at least when they're at school, you know they're taken care of and fed. And when they're home, you don't know. Pray for our graduates, too. Graduates, yes. Yeah, pray for Miss Bailey. She'll be graduating. It's hard to believe. That was one of my prayer requests years ago. Long story, I don't we'll get into it. But anyway, uh, I asked the Lord, let me see her graduate. I want to see her graduate. Well, I'll see her graduate. Now i got two two boys, so I, I guess I'm still going to have to keep, the Lord's going to have to keep me around for a little while <laughs> to see them graduate. But uh, uh, we do praise the Lord for what, for Bailey. Uh, Bailey's got a good head on her shoulders, so praise the Lord for her. And pray for her. She's got some decisions to make. She's going into a nursing program. And um, so just, just keep her in your prayers. Also, praise for all you FBI grads. Pretty good feet for all y'all old people going through this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bailey, granddaughter graduate, and Lord willing, Lord willing, and I covet your prayers. I haven't taken my last test yet. I haven't taken it yet. <laughs> Joe told me just take it, but I haven't taken it. But anyway, uh, Lord willing, at 70 years old, I'm going to graduate again. So. It's, been, it's been good. It's been three years, but it's been short. We got back in touch with John's oldest daughter and found out that recently, within the last year, he is now a great grandfather. So at 10 years, she's 48, I'm a great-grandma in a way because oh, okay. my stepdaughter, but it's kind of neat that she got back in touch with us because she only had my Instagram, so Jacob hacked into it somehow because somebody had locked me out of it because I hadn't been going in it a whole lot, so he pushed a bunch of things on my phone and got back in it, and I was like, well, good. Good. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Any other prayer request? Bob, oh, you sat behind, behind Ted. Yeah. I couldn't see Yeah, I did that on purpose. Um, I just want to praise the Lord for the SCA students Sunday night that presented their program <coughs> so well. And I have, me 
personally have seen the Lord use it already. Though I prayed, they planted the seed, and I prayed that it grows. Yes, it was uh, it was an amazing evening last Sunday evening. It was just awesome. Just blows you away when you think about it. We need to continue to pray for the school. I pray that it'll grow and get more people involved. So praise the Lord for that. Any other prayer request? If not, Terry, would you mind taking us to the throne of grace this evening, please? Lord, we're just thankful to be here tonight, Lord, to keep us safe all day. Lord, we've got many requests. Lord, many unspoken. People have special needs in their families. Lord, we have unsaved in our families. We have sickness, all different kinds of problems. Lord, that you're in control. We know you'll take care of those. We come to you and ask you to do that. Lord, we're just uh, praying for our elderly. Lord, some aren't able to get around as they used to. Lord, thank you for Marvin and Norm. Lord, just bless them. It's been good to see them here. Lady, the Lord, everybody's getting up in age. Lord, we just ask you a blessing upon each one of them. Miss Dot, Lord, just bless her. Lord, and the people that's the caregivers as well, Lord, we just thank you for them. Just pray that you give them the strength that's needed to take care of these people, Lord. It's a tough job. Lord, we're thankful for our military, Lord, we just ask your blessing upon him. Lord, our nurses just in the hospitals, Lord, they do so much. We just thank you for them. Lord, be with Miss Melissa. Lord, just continue to heal her little heart. Lord, just help her to be strong. Lord, the wedding's coming up. Just be with Joel and Bree. Lord, I pray you bless that marriage. Lord, to be with them, God. Pray they have a long life. Godliness together, Lord. Lord, uh, Jean's request, there was many, Lord, we just ask you to be with each one that she mentioned there, Lord. A special request for Deb's family, Lord, just time of morning. Lord, just be with the family and just provide them grace as you can. Just be with the funeral and all that's involved there, Lord. Lord, Michelle, Lord, with cancer, Lord, we just pray you heal her body. We have many in our prayer request for cancer, Lord. Just ask you blessing upon each. But Lord, some some of these on the cancer list, I pray that the families come to you for their healing, Lord, and their, that you give them mercy, Lord. I pray they ask you, Lord. Lord, we have many unsaved. Pray they come to their knees and, and ask for Jesus in their heart. Or too late. You know, pray for Miss Wilder, Doug Van Leer, Lord. Be with them. Lord, our grads, Lord, from our school here, participants in our school, school support, Lord. Lord, these young people have a long road ahead of them, Lord, in this world, in this United States. So much has changed in the last 10 years. We don't understand it. Lord, you're in control. You know, it's it rough times back many years ago. But you're still here. You never leave us. Lord, we leave you. Lord, I pray that we never leave. 
Lord, just be with uh, these babies, Chloe and Blakely. Lord, with cancer, we just ask you to heal their bodies. We have their families. Just give them strength. Lord, we don't know what you're going through. Lord, just uh, provide them the strength that they need. And Lord, just let us be compassionate to people in our communities. Lord, I know sometimes I get hard-hearted for people, Lord, but just give me more compassion towards those who are less fortunate than I. Lord, just uh, bless each one and let us be a witness of the So many lost at work, Lord, just let us be a shining light for them, Lord. Don't let us lose our testimony. Lord, anger is a terrible thing. Expect teachers in Sunday school at, at most to get us in trouble, Lord. Just help us control our tongue. Lord, most of all, we thank you for this uh, <coughs> church, our church family. It's just a blessing to be here. Be with Randy as he brings us your message. Lord, be with the business meeting tonight. Just bless that. And Lord, just take us home and keep us safe. Most of all, we thank you for Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Tonight, we're going to look at a subject. In our Sunday school, we've been doing topical um, studies, and uh, this past Sunday, uh, I taught and we looked at the word discouragement, uh, and I'll be honest with you, uh, I haven't been able to get away from that thought, and all week long, it's been lingering with me, and I just feel led tonight that we're going to look again, so you folks that were in Sunday school on Sunday... Uh, don't fall asleep on me, okay? Uh, I, I promise you may hear some things that I said on Sunday, but we're going to be looking at a different passage of Scripture. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's 20 minutes after 7, so I, I won't be done with this tonight, but we'll, we'll work on finishing it up next, will, next week, Lord willing. But I want to ask you a question tonight. Is there anybody in here that can actually raise their hand and say that they have not have not been discouraged. I don't see no hands. So I know it's needed. We all face discouragement. And to start with tonight, I just want to give you some general thoughts about discouragement. Let me say, I am not an expert by any means, but I know somebody that is. I know somebody that is an expert. And we're going to be looking, and actually, we're going to be looking at Numbers chapter 13 this evening and next week. And you can turn our sticky finger there if you'd like, and we'll get there in a little bit. But why do we become discouraged? Discouragement is a terrible thing. Now, let, let, me, let me say right up front that discouragement or depression... Um, there's no doubt that it comes from physical issues in our bodies a lot of times. Uh, we know folks that battle cancer, that had issues and had things in their life, that they battle discouragement, they battle depression. And it does come from physical issues. You get a report from a doctor and it's not what you want to hear. It's bad news. You have a family member that gets a report from a doctor. And it's not good news. You know, we can also become discouraged when we're simply just 
tired, run down from working too long, too hard. Anybody ever do that? Work too long and too hard? Uh, just constant. I know Corey does. In respect, uh, David, uh, he, he's, he's partially retired, so uh, he probably, no, I'm just teasing. But you, you can become discouraged. Fatigue will discourage you. You also can be discouraged when you lose a family member. It can cause us to be discouraged. Problems in families can create discouragement in our lives. There's multitudes of things that we face each and every day that can create discouragement in our lives. Another cause for discouragement is that we can become too idealistic. This is someone who believes in the ideal of perfection. Everything has to be done perfectly, and if it isn't, they really struggle. Now, I don't know if I know, I know a few of you that probably would fall into that category, but it, it, it's a dangerous place to be. You know, we can also look at it from, a, from our Christian perspective as well, an ideal that we want to do great things for the Lord and for his glory, for his honor. Yet no matter how hard we pray, how hard we work, how much we study, it just never seems to come out the way that we think it should. Believe me, I understand. There have been many a times that I have been teaching or speaking or whatever. When it was over, I said, man, that was a bust. I, you know, I, it surely didn't turn out like that I had envisioned or planned it. Part of the problem was that I envisioned it. I planned it. I didn't allow God to direct my thoughts a lot of times in certain you know, pastors struggle uh, with a lot of this things. They have goals and they have ob uh, objectives that just never seem to happen. Pastor John has got a mind. He's got stuff that he would like to see it happen. And I pray that God would allow that to happen. But you know, coupled with ideal idealism, discouragement often comes when people disappoint us. You ever been disappointed by someone? when you're counting on somebody to do something, or we have uh, high hopes of a person who turned against us or failed spiritually or morally. Things like that happen. Pastors especially are subject to disappointment and discouragement. When someone who made a good beginning as a Christian turns back to the world. You know, the Apostle Paul he knew what that felt like. Because if you read in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, he says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas, having loved the things of the world, they, they, he departed from Paul and went to Thessalonica. So we know Paul had that emptiness in his heart, had that... Uh, discouragement in his heart. 
You know, discouragement a lot of times often feels like it's determined by the circumstances that we uh, are out of our control. You know, that's how, why sometimes when we respond to discouragement, it's often passive. We don't give it a lot of consideration. We sit weighed down with little or no interest in doing anything. We feel like giving up. And when we feel like giving up, we are vulnerable to a wide range of temptations. You remember when um, Satan tempted Jesus? In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus himself said Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of it by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, Scripture tells us. And when he got done, the Scripture says he was hungry. After 40 days and 40 nights of fasting and praying, I'm sure he was. Satan came to him and tempting him. And how did he tempt him? By the very thing that it was affecting him, his hunger. Satan told him, said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Satan attacks and tempts us at our weakest moment. You know, when we give in to those temptations, our sin just confirms our discouragement. And we easily slip into a cycle which is fear, drives us into hiding. And our hiding opens up to sin and selfishness and self-indulgence. And we cave in and cave in in the increase of our sense of hopelessness and self-pity. I'm sure all of us can think of someone that falls into this category and is affected by this, by just being discouraged. So we sit way down with fear and condemnation, feeling stuck. You ever felt stuck? Not knowing what to do? You know, God don't want us to feel that way. I shared with the Sunday school class this past Sunday. Jesus did not endure the crucifixion on the cross so we would live a defeated life as Christians. He purchased our forgiveness of sin, our freedom from the weight of fear, and gives us the power to overcome the world, the flesh, our flesh, and Satan himself because of him. You know, discouragement is a real thing. It's powerful. But we can defeat it if we confront it. As I said earlier, I realize that in some cases it comes from physical conditions. And if that be the case, you have to you have to fight it. You have to, you have to address it. You have to do those things. I Here in the last couple of weeks, I have seen more commercials on depression. This drug or that drug or this drug. Wanting to get people drugs for depression. But you know what? Discouragement, in a lot of cases, is because of sin. Sin in my life. 
and you have to be the judge of your own. And we're going to see that in this passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at. So if discouragement that we're facing is not caused by a physical condition, think about this. We need to ask God a question. You remember in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus was with his disciples at Passover. And at that time, Jesus made a statement. He said, Verily I say unto you that one of you will betray me. He was talking to his disciples. Now, obviously, we know that Judas was the one that betrayed him. But the, all the disciples started asking a question. You might remember what that question was. Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? You know, and that's a question that we need to consider. If we're facing discouragement in our lives, to the fact that whether or not we're living the life that God would want us to live is a question that we need to look, to look at in our own life. But if, and if we're not, then we might have to ask the question, Lord, is it I? Here in Numbers chapter 13, in this passage of scripture that we're going to look at goes from verse 1 of chapter 13 through verse 45 of chapter 14. So it's a rather, rather lengthy passage of scripture that we're going to look at. But as we look at this passage of scripture, we want to draw out some principles concerning the causes, the characteristics, the consequences of discouragement. We're going to look at three different things. But first, I want to kind of give you an overview of what's happening here in this passage of scripture based on four key elements that are given to us in this passage of scripture. Four key things that we can see from this passage of scripture in chapter 13. We're going to see the task that was given, the reports, the attitude, and the results. We know from this passage of scripture that we, Moses is giving us an account of the 12 spies that were sent into the land of Canaan, to the promised land. The nation of Israel had came out of bondage in Egypt. They had came to the point that God had already told them that I'm going to give you this promised land. It's going to be yours. I'm going to give it to you. But here, in this passage of scripture, we're going to see some truths. I want to show you something tonight, or hopefully I can show you something. In verse 1 of chapter 13, I'm going to read the first three verses there. And it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, send, men, send thou men, that thou mayest search the land of Canaan. Which, notice he, what he says here, I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, 
sent them from the wilderness of Paran, and all the men were heads of the children of Israel. So we find here that these 12 spies, 12 men that were sent out to search the land, to see what the land was made of. We see that they were sent in, into Canaan, the promised land. They were given a task to search out the land and then bring back a report. Now I want to go ahead and read uh, verses uh, 17 through 21. And it says, And Moses sent them to, to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward, and go up into the mountain, and see the land that it is, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what the cities that they be, that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it is fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was uh, the time of the first first ripe grapes. It's first, the first grapes that was going to be that year. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob, and then the men came to Hamath. So we see here that these twelve spies were given a task to do. I want you to note something, though. If you notice there in verse 1, and said the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men. But if you turn over to Deuteronomy in chapter 1, we want to look at actual the request for the search didn't come from the Lord. It came from the people. It came from the people. Now notice and here in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 19. And it says, And when he departed for Purim, we went through. Now this is talking about Moses. When they departed out of the land of Egypt, they departed from Horeb and went through all the great and terrible wilderness, which he saw by the way of the mountains of the Amorites, as to the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea, and I said unto them, speaking, Moses speaking to them, Ye are come to the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Behold, the Lord has sent, uh, behold, the Lord God has set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of thy fathers has said unto thee. Fear not, neither be what? Discouraged. Don't be discouraged. And it came near, and you came near unto me, every one of you. Moses saying that the people came to him and said, We will send men before us, that they shall search out the land and bring us word again about the way we must go up and into what cities we shall come. And the same pleased me well, speaking of Moses, and I took twelve men of you 
one of the tribes. So one of each tribe of these men were chosen to go. You see in one passage where it says God commanded them to go. You see in the other passage where the actual people said, we want to send spies into the land. He said, well, it's a contradiction. Well, no, not really. You see here what God knew the heart of the people. So perhaps God permitted this search in order to reveal what their hearts were really like. Just a side note. You know sometimes God will allow us to have our own way. To see truly what's in our heart. He will allow us to have our own way. Whether we be will follow him or not. When the, all right, when the spies returned, when the spies returned, they brought back some wonderful fruit of the land. But they also brought back some mixed reports. So that's the next thing we want to look at is the reports that they brought back. So look in verse uh, 25 through 33. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh and brought back word unto them unto all that congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told and said, We came unto the land whither thou sent us, and surely it floweth milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites that dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites and the Jebusites and Amorites dwell in the mountains and Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Now notice Caleb. There was two of these spies, Caleb and Joshua, who had a good report. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let's go up at once. Let's go up at once and possess it. He says, for we are well able to overcome it. But you notice what the men said. But the men that went with them said, Oh, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, that come up of the giants. And we were, and were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So they had came back with this evil report. They, the, the, the 12, the 10 spies said, no, we can't do that. 
They admitted the land was good, but they saw the danger and defeat. They said it's a good land. It flows with milk and honey in verse 27. But you notice the word but in verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. They were basing their strength. They were basing what they were up against on themselves. But God had already told them, I will give it to you. All you have to do is go up and possess it. They saw the giants, the fortified cities, and all the its, the Amalekites, and all those other nationalities of people. Their conclusion was, we can't, we can't win. We can't win. So the ten spies were paralyzed by their own fear. By their own fear. Because they were putting their confidence in none of themselves, not in God. And it carried over to the people. Now the attitude of the twelve spies saw the same land, the same people. They all had the same uh, instructions from Moses. They all came from the same ethnic, ethnic background and culture. They all had the same experiences and history. So why the difference in the attitude and outlook? The difference was because of where their confidence was. Joshua and Caleb, confidence was in God. God had told them, it's yours for the taking. All you got to do is go take it. Moses believed God, but the rest didn't believe that God would keep his promise. You know, the attitude of the ten is typically of so many Christians today. When you think about it, they have the assurance of salvation. They know all the Christian doctrines. They know the good things of the Christian life, the milk and honey. But they're overwhelmed with dangers and problems and the possibility of defeat. The giants of the Christian life, their eyes are on the obstacles or circumstances, not on God. Instead of seeing the blessing, they see the difficulties. You ever been there? Instead of seeing the blessings in life, we see the difficulties. Warren Grisby, uh, in, in his commentator, on this particular subject made a comment. He said, unbelief is always sees the obstacles. Faith sees the opportunities. The refusal for, the, for those people, the nation of Israel, to enter into the land is a type of the believer's refusal to claim our blessings in Christ. Instead of trusting him, we as Christians fill our heart with fear a lot of times. Instead of believing his problems, we doubt him. And doubting Christians are overcome by the potential problems that they face. Make no doubt about it. The giants are real. They were real in Canaan. No sense pretending they weren't because scripture tells us they were real. 
and they're real in our lives as well. The, the, the question is, how do we deal with them? Do we live a defeated life, or do we live in the power that God gives us to overcome our fears, the world, our flesh, and the devil? God gives us that, that we can do that with. Lastly, in that particular thing, we'll find the results. And you find that in the first three verses, or first four verses of chapter 14. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to encourage you to read this passage of Scripture from verse 1 through verse 45 of chapter 14, sometime this week as we look into the remainder of this. But the results... You can see here in the first four verses of chapter 14, a night of complete discouragement. I want you to just notice verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. They were in such distress that they wept. And if you go ahead and read verses 2 and 3, you'll find that there was an open rebellion against God. And in verse, let me go ahead and read verse 2. And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in this wilderness? Their open rebellion to Moses, to God, you can see it right here in this passage of Scripture. They even wanted to elect a new leader, if you notice in the first part of verse 4. And they said one to another, let us make a captain. They was going to kick Moses to the side and get someone else. And then the last thing that you see, and they had said, let us return into Egypt. Egypt was a picture of the world. And that they would just as soon return to Egypt as had to have faced what they were facing. So what was the cause of discouragement? Dependence on men, not God. So this is where we're going to stop this evening and then we'll pick up next week and we'll look at the causes, the characteristics the consequences of discouragement.